In this episode of the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast, me and my guy Richard Stamen are going to discuss Richard's biggest risers for the 2024 NBA Draft. We are just days away from the top of the year, so we've had enough time to evaluate guys over, I guess, almost two months now. So we're going to find out who Richard has rising up his draft board, and then in the next episode, we're going to have the guys who are falling. So stay tuned to find out who is rising up Richard's draft board. Big shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. I'm your host, Rafael Barlow, the director of scouting for NBA Big Board. And my co-host for the day, like I mentioned in the open, is Richard Stamen. If you're not subscribed to the channel, please subscribe, like, share, comment. That is the best way to help us grow this channel. And before we get into this episode, I want to let you know that this episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. It is the easiest and the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. So go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use the code, but it has to be in all lowercase L O C K E D O N NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. All right, let's get started. Happy holidays. Happy early new year to you. It's, it's been a little while since we've been on together and, um, I lost my voice again. <laughs> I'm trying to get it back right. How's everything going your way? It's been good. <clears throat> it's been busy. Went out to uh, do some high school scouting last week in Florida at the City of Palms. Uh, definitely seeing how different every other draft class in the coming years is compared to this one. So which, which draft class are you really high on? I love, I, I love the 2025 class. I mean, it was my first time seeing Ace Bailey in a full game. And I got to see him versus uh, Dylan Harper. Got to see him in a couple other matchups too that I, were just outstanding in every single court on. He's been on. He's got he's at minimum the highest upside of any player in the, in the country right now. I think if you're just talking about six nine off ball on ball two way wing, like he's got the superstar mold. I was really excited to see him, and obviously Cooper Flag's incredible. There's just so much top end talent I think in that draft class. So you would take him over over Cooper Flag, right? Like right no, now? I'm not. I'm not there yet. I'm not there. Yet. I had some people trying to talk to me about that, and uh, I, I see the argument because if you're going off just absolute ceiling, I think his ceiling is higher, but more likely to be a great player. I, I think there's the realistic outcome is Cooper Flag still. Have you seen the kid at the from the NBA Academy? I have not yet. I have not. He's one of my next watch guys. Yeah, I think he has a chance to be really special also. But let's let's get into this draft. So we've had a little bit of time to evaluate guys. And uh, this, this draft is all over the place. And we'll just start with, with number one. Who's like the biggest riser for you so far for the 2024 draft class? Yeah, so I'm going based on – I tried doing a couple different criteria, really just from the start of the year where I expected this class to be, like going off my original board – and also to where it is now. And then also like even from a, like three weeks ago, right over December, who's really just made that jump from their presence is noted to going and taking that other step. And most of them are going to be the first one, but there are a couple guys really who fit the other one as well. But the first one for me is I had no idea about Reed Shepard being this good. Like he, I know he's got some shortcomings, but well, what absolute- do you think his shortcomings are? He's short and he's not short, but like he, his size He's not a point guard. 
and he could probably get beat up on defense. But the thing is, he makes so much happen on the defensive end that I, I think I'm okay with it. Like, he just knows how to get turnovers. And it's such a weird thing, but it just works. Like, he, he always finds a way to disrupt the play. I'm not saying he's Tyrese Maxey, but people said Tyrese Maxey was short. They said he's not a one or not a two. And, and Tyrese wasn't as definitely not as efficient or productive as as Reed was as a freshman. But I think it could be one of those things where you just look at what he's doing. I mean, last I looked, I don't have the numbers in front of me. He was shooting like 58% from three, like 58% yeah. from the floor. And so, I mean, I think he's definitely caught a lot of people by surprise. Unfortunately, I just think some NBA teams are going to overthink it. And he could be that guy. And in two years, we're like, how did how did he fall outside of the lottery? Because he doesn't pass like this. You know, teams are looking for these guys that are raw, that are long, they're like super explosive. I mean, I don't really know exactly what his shortcomings are that are major. I mean, he's a good athlete. You can't say he's a poor athlete. He can shoot. I, I mean, I just think people are going to overthink it. Yeah, he's one of those guys for me where it's like, even if you say, okay, physically, he shouldn't be able to be a good defender or physically he shouldn't be able to get to his spots as easily as he does, like he does. Like sometimes the aesthetic doesn't match the actual like processes and Reed Shepard's a great example of that. Like the shooting is very real. Obviously, is he 58% or whatever he is from three real? Probably not. But I mean, he's almost a 90% free throw shooter on small volume. So like it's not like and obviously you just watch the shot like it's beautiful. Like there's no no flaws on it. Why would that not go in? And again, just I, I buy this stuff where it's like, OK, you are averaging 2.8 steals a game. You're telling me you can't find a way to impact the defensive end. Like even if teams go, hey, this guy's small and, you know, may not have the best physical profile for guarding ones and twos. Is it that big of a deal? And also just one last thing we talked about over the years we've done this. We've talked about several six, four guards that are off guard, off ball guards first that have been drafted and like the second high second round. Why can Reed Shepard not thrive as that guy, too? Yeah, man, I think he can. And I think he will. I just think that he may not have had the he, he wasn't on anybody's one and done list coming into the season. And I think some people are slow to to put him in that range because they're sticking to their guys that, that they really liked. I mean, there's quite a few guys that I mean I was high on coming into the season. I thought we're going to be, you know, one and duns, and more than likely they're they're gonna have to come back to school. And Reed Shepard is a guy that I, I don't think he has to come back to school. I think he's solidified himself as a first round pick yeah i agree i mean i just think he has all the makings then you look at kentucky guards like it just adds up for for me always i think he's a guy that's gonna thrive in the nba right away do you have a, a range for him because i think he's someone that if he goes to if he falls outside of the lottery and he goes to a playoff team i think with his ability to compliment anybody the playoff anybody and knock down shots. I think he should be someone that could uh, that could have an impact as a rookie. Yeah, I mean, put him in Orlando. I mean, I don't know. where there's where are there minutes at in Orlando though? Yeah, I mean, I think they're gonna have some changes. But even then, though, like he, he has the role nobody else has, right? Like yeah. Cole Anthony's the closest thing right now as the off ball shooting guard. Reed Shepard can step in and do that as well. So that like they, he need they need shooting, and he fits that very well.
Do you don't do you think he can play point? Uh, as needed, but it's he's not going to be running the sophisticated sets. He's out there keeping you afloat as a point guard, not necessarily taking you to the next level, if that makes sense. Here's my like, thing, though. Is he going to have the opportunity to show that at Kentucky? No. Which so is how wide the Kentucky guard syndrome. But he, with, with Dillingham and, and DJ Wagner, I don't think he's going to really get that opportunity to show that he can yeah. do that. I think that he could be someone that in summer league you're like, oh wow, he's he's playing the point, he's initiating the offense. And uh, who's? Oh, sorry, and Reeves is in front of him. Like, yeah, he's the fourth guard. Yeah, who who's the next player that has really caught your attention and, and climbed up your draft board, or, or is a big riser for you? Yeah, so this is somebody who, for me, I knew of him last year is when he emerged on my radar uh, when I went down to Miami to see Isaiah Wong. And this guy just blew me away. I thought all the processes were there. You could kind of tell a breakout was coming, but what he's done has been absolutely phenomenal. And that's Wugo Popelar. Uh, I've just been a big fan of everything he's done in Miami. He's turned himself into an absolute star in the wings. One of the best athletes, I think, in the draft. Two-way guy. Yeah, he has some turnover issues. but uh, And I've seen a lot of people say that means he has bad feel for the game, which is just not the case. Like If you watch somebody who knows exactly what they're doing, Every, every second, he is one of those guys, and that's feel for the game, not turnover to assist. Like, it, it, to me, I'm just, I'm all in on the guy, and I know he's a hard worker too. So I, I buy all of what he does. Yeah. I mean, he's a, a really good athlete. He's a shot maker. One of the things that I wanted to see out of him this year was becoming a three level score in a sense, because it's like he, has the the tools and athleticism to be able to like be really good at, at finishing around the rim. We know he can like create his own shot and get to like his pull up, and then he's he's a pretty good, pretty pretty good three point shooter. I mean, he's shooting like what fifty percent from three this year. It's like 50, 50, 87. Like I mean, the 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 numbers are are really impressive. I've I've seen some people still have him as a second round pick. I don't know what more he needs to do. I mean, I guess conference play. And and I think this class is going to be trending more towards older guys in, in the first round. Not, not a, I mean, you're still going to have your your young group, but I mean, I definitely think he could be in the lottery range. Yeah, I mean, and also just a little foreshadowing: almost every single player in this list is an upperclassman. So, like that says a lot. Yeah, for me, look, he doesn't have a great handle. The turnovers are kind of an issue. I don't think the turnovers are going to be an issue in the NBA because of what he's actually going to be doing. Like I I don't see him as a primary creator like he is in Miami right now. He's probably their best shot creator at the moment. And that's just not going to be him in the NBA. He's going to be playing way more to his strengths. Yeah. I think he's one of the better shot creators in this draft. I mean, I mean, definitely in the top five, in my opinion, shot creators, if there's a guy that I said, Hey, I need a bucket, go out and create one. I think he's one of one of the best, but I, I tend to lean towards shot makers and guys with offensive creativity. I think the handle is okay. I think the handle is good enough to get to a spots. It just it's just the turnovers and sometimes like the decision making. All right, when we return, we're going to talk about a few more guys that are on Richard's list of draft risers for twenty twenty four. 
but let's talk about prize picks prize picks is daily fantasy sports made easy it is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in north america the easiest and the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports it is just you against the numbers instead of battling thousands of players including pros and sharks all you have to do is pick more or even less you just pick two to six players and their stat projections and you can watch the winnings roll in and since basketball season is in full swing you can now pick combo projections across football basketball from the specials league it is a league that is created specifically for combo projections which includes two or more players from different sports or leagues so for example you can do lebron james plus travis kelsey at a 10.5 combo of three pointers made and receptions and also if you want to play against you know some famous people like meek mill and andrew schultz you can do that in the community plays and it's under the promo tab of the app so you can view some of the entries from some of the biggest names in the prize pick community so go to prizepicks.com they have fast withdrawals easy gameplay and they have an enormous selection of players and stat types to choose from so go to prizepicks.com locked on nba use the code locked on nba must be lowercase for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA. Locked on has launched the first ever national sports 24 7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked on sports today is here for you 24 7, covering the top sports stories of the day with local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows that are covering every league. So go to Locked On Sports today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. All right, we left off with, and I've heard people correct me, say it's Wooga. <laughs> they say it's it's a it's a Philly accent, Wooga, Wooga. Is, is it Poplar or Poplar? I remember telling myself it's popular without the U, and I just cannot get up and end up saying it right. Like I botch names all the time, so I'm the worst person to ask for this. But I think it's popular. Yeah. All right, who is the third player on your list of of big risers for 2024? Yeah, so this next one is a guy who I knew of him at his last school in Northern Colorado. Didn't expect him to be this good right away, and I think he's solidified himself into getting drafted already, especially if he does well in conference play, and that's Dalton Connect. I really like his game, 16 points a game. He's been able to play some good defense. I I just think on the wings, he's that guy at 6'6", right? Like He just finds a way to impact the game. I really like what he's done so far. He's cooled off a little bit. But for the most part, I think he's still really impressed. Like that game against Illinois he played was really impressive. I like what he's done. Yeah, he hasn't been the same since the North Carolina game where he had 37 points and twisted his ankle. Since then, he's only had two out of five games in double figures. But that North Carolina game was impressive. It was like 13 of 17 from the floor. Yeah, And, And it sucks because he sprained his ankle at the very end of the game. And he just hasn't really, just hasn't really looked the same since then. But I, I buy everything that he brings to the table, the athleticism. There was a play; it was in the preseason where he had this crazy dunk coming down the lane. I think it was like in a, a scrimmage against Michigan State. Yep, he can shoot the ball. I mean, he was a a really good shooter at Northern Colorado. At one point this year, he was scoring big numbers, but the three point shooting wasn't wasn't efficient but now he's back to about 30 37 from three i like him a lot 
I think it's going to, I, I should say that I think that he has a really good opportunity to be a first round pick. If I'm a team like Milwaukee or, yep. you know, just a team that is looking to come, you know, compete for championships. And I, and I want somebody that can come in and, and play right away and, and, and compliment my star. I'm looking for a guy like him because he can shoot and he can attack a closeout and he's ready as far as like mature wise. So I don't think some of the teams that are contenders are going to be looking for a project that they're going to have in, in the G league for the next few years. So I, I could see him as a, a late first round pick. Yeah. And also just a little bit of uh, that UNC game you brought up. So of, like, I think it was six of the first seven games. These are who we played Wisconsin, Wofford, Syracuse, Purdue, Kansas, UNC all in a row. And in that span, he averaged 21 points a game, five rebounds, two assists, one block, almost one steal on 50% shooting, 42% from three, 80% from the line. And like against that reel of competition and that early, like there's real flashes there and he's going to do well in the sec. I, I agree. I think if you put him on a team that, I mean, even Minnesota right now, like you add him on yeah. the wings, like that's a huge bump for a team like that, trying to get over that hump and make themselves a second round team to a Western conference finals team or, you know, any, et cetera, Western conference finals to finals. Like he's a guy that really helps you get there. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Boston could use some depth. Um, Philly could always use a floor spacer. So I think there's some teams that would be really interested in him. All right, who's the next player on your list? So let's yeah. talk about three. Who's who's number four for you? Yeah, so again, another guy who I knew who he was. Didn't really think he was actually that much of a threat to do what he's done. And honestly, it's been nothing short of fantastic. And that's Anton Watson at Gonzaga. He has had some insane games. I think he went... I got to remember what he was, but he had one also similar to 13 of 17. He had 14 of 15 against UCLA for 32 points. And I don't care what you do, how that all comes. If they're all offensive rebound putbacks, I don't even care which they weren't. Like doing something like that is incredible. I've been so blown away with him finally putting it all together. The feel for the game has always been very strong. That was one of his big selling points at 6'8. His shots developed well. He can play defense. I really like his game as just one of those connectors in the front court figure out the position and roll exactly whatever comes next later. It's all going to be just about the fit with the team, but he fits with so many teams that you can make him versatile, which however you want to use him. You think he's a, what what position or what team do you think would be a good fit for him? Yeah. So I, I think if you put him in next to a rim protector, um, I mean, God, put him in Dallas. Honestly, that that's kind of one of those spots where you can be you can be an off ball guy, very low usage, thrives next to a guy like Lively who has the paint locked up where you can step in as needed when Lively switched out, or he can really complement and be that just strong layer right before Lively. And then on offense, just he does whatever you need. He can pass, he can shoot, he can keep the ball moving. He's very intelligent, and I think you have to have that to play in the system Dallas has and the heliocentric offense with Luca. Would you say he's a a draft, a, like a second round pick, or do you think he's a undrafted two way guy? I take him high second, like top ten pick in the second round. Okay. I, I really don't. I, I think you're looking at even lottery tickets almost at that point too. But it's lottery tickets and high ceiling guys, or excuse me, high floor guys. At a minimum, he falls into that high floor. I, I just feel like he's somebody that can be an end of rotation guy right away. 
All right, when we return, we're going to see if, if how many more guys that Richard has that has climbed up his draft board. Before we get into the next segment, I want to talk to you about FanDuel. Because as the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel. All right now, if you're a new customer, you can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there is not a better time to get in on the action. The app is super easy to use. There is a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, overs, unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL and locked on. All right, last segment, we've covered four guys. Who is next on your list as far as biggest draft risers or maybe even surprises for you? Yeah, so this next one is a guy who I didn't know really much about this guy. He had been at Texas A&M to start his year career, transferred within the SEC to Arkansas and then BYU. But recently, he's just finally taken that next step. And that's Jackson Robinson on the wings at BYU. He is a sharpshooter. I love his game as an off-ball threat. I think he's a pretty simple evaluation, uh, just being killer off the ball. And I like him. He's 6'7", probably translates pretty smoothly. What's your draft range for him? You know, it's funny. I was actually looking at Tankathon the other day, just trying to find like where his that exact question. He's not on there. That really surprised me. I think right now he's looking at high second, but historically we've seen shooters at 6'7", plus, they rise. So I think he's looking at 20-something pick. And if a team, honestly, depends who's there, right? Like a team that needs shooting desperately probably wouldn't mind taking him in the teens. I I think he could end up being a lottery pick, mid-lottery. All right, here, here, here's why I say that. All right, on one hand, you look and say, all right, he's been to multiple schools, yada, yada, yada. And I, I've, I've talked to couple agents about it and one agent told me that the coaches at AM and Arkansas were like the kid can't play and, and so he's like well how come two schools say he can't play but then he's finding this this incredible role on on um BYU one of the things that I've I've learned in my research was he classified up so he started college really young I, if I'm not mistaken, he's only 21 years old. So he's 21 years old and he's what, what this is like his fourth year or something like that. So he's young. So you, he may be a year older than Justin Edwards. So he may be a year older than let, let's even say Brandon Miller. He's a year older than Brandon Miller. So he's one of the guys that I feel like, we always talk about guys that reclass and, and, and they're older for their class and how to knock against them. I think he was penalized in a sense because he started college so early. And so he kind of wasted time. He wasn't ready. But now he's, like I said, he's 21. If I'm not mistaken, I have to double check, but I think he's 21 years old, which is the same age as Brandon Miller. And so if you, you look at him and say, all right, if last year he was a 20-year-old freshman, or 19 year old instead of like a 17 year old freshman, then you, to me, it just, it just makes me look at it totally different because 
I see the size. I see the, you know, the shooting, obviously. He can put the ball on the floor. He can pull up. I actually had one, one agent. He was so high on him. He was like, he can be a scaled-down version of Paul George. Just as long as he keeps working. I mean, he said, he said, like, if you if you just sit there and look, he scores in the mid post. He's a good two level score. He can score off movement. And he was like, he can finish. He can attack closeouts. He was just like, if you look at that and, and you you get, and of course, this is like an agent speaking. And agents usually feel like they have the best trainer that can develop guys. But he's like, if you can get a mini Paul George, if he's 50% of Paul George, you have a, a, a really, really good NBA player. Yeah, for me, my one concern with him putting the ball on the floor is just like I, I watched the Denver game, which I know it's a low end game, whatever. But in that he was getting very sped up with the ball in his hands at times, make, like, making himself prone to decisions that just weren't right. And that kind of scares me. Because if he's doing that against Denver, you know how common is it? I, that's something I still need to answer. But I, I think he's got to be able to be sped up and not make the wrong moves. I think that's going to go a long way. And again, though, he's young for his class. Like maybe that's something you can work on. But I think right now, off ball is the best way for him in the next couple of years outlook. Yeah. I mean, I definitely maybe. think that's going to be his role in the beginning of his career because he has the size and he can shoot. But there are some flashes of him being able to put the ball on the floor. I would just like to see him rebound a little bit more. I mean, for his size and his athleticism, he's, in my opinion, a, a pretty poor rebounder. He's averaging less than three rebounds per game. Yeah, I noticed that too. Like, he doesn't, he just doesn't have any stat that pops away from him shooting. Yep. Which, you know, in today's NBA, that, that's what they want is a guy that can yeah. shoot. If you can space the floor, I mean, you're like a, a superstar's dream sidekick. All right, next player. Yeah, this is the last one. So I want to give a honorary mention. I, I'll be just completely honest. The reason I omitted this person is this person is the very next player I'm watching a full game of uh, that I just haven't seen yet that's in this range, and that's Bob Carrington at Pittsburgh. I haven't seen him yet. I know he's somebody who I had no idea of what to expect from him. I had seen his name on the recruiting rankings and stuff, but he's absolutely risen into probably being a first round guy, but want to, you know, withhold any statements like making the wrong, you know, lines or anything about him just until I see a full game. So I'm omitting him for now. Instead, I'm going to go with a guy in New Mexico who I had seen last year at SMU when, when he came with uh, Jalen house, who was my top New Mexico prospect, but this guy's just blown up, and that's Donovan Dent. The best I'm a huge... playmaker in college basketball. Yes, and on top of that, though, see, here's what was – so this is just the general what happened over the year. I've written some notes in that game. I was like, this guy's a guy to monitor. He made a couple nice passes. His shot's not bad. Granted, his free throw percentage is a little bit worrisome, but he is a killer defender. I mean, he played big. He was guarding threes out there in that game, like – I was blown away and I was like, cool. So like two, three years, I'll remember this name. And then this year he comes on the scene. Like you said, arguably the best college basketball playmaker he's shooting. He's also just scoring at will and he's still playing the same defense. Granted he's six, two it's kind of an awkward size, but we just saw Craig Porter is going to get his two way converted any second now. Like, yeah, I just talked to him a couple of days ago. I, I, I just, they're waiting on Rubio. Not- 
They're waiting on the Rubio for yeah, which makes sense. Yeah, and and the thing is, like those guys work, especially if they find the right fit, which clearly Craig Porter did. I just feel like, look, you got a rotation guard right there. He may not ever start a game unless it's out of injury, but he's somebody who's going to be an impactful backup at the least. I I, I love his game. He is to me the best playmaker, definitely, and this is my opinion, the best live dribble passer. In, in college basketball, I mean, like the angles that he finds, guys. And I think he's going to be better in the NBA with floor spacing, vertical lob threat. I was just talking to, you know, like I have agents call me from time to time, ask me who I like. And I was just telling somebody that I really like him. And I'm like, at the very minimum, he could be Ramon Sessions. And if he's Ramon Sessions, that is a long career as you know, maybe a starter from here and there, but a guy that's in your rotation that's going to run your offense with the second team that changes the the pace with the second unit. And, you know, in, in today's NBA and, and going in the future, if you're a rotation guy, you're going to be making $20 million a year just as a rotation guy because you figure right now, I mean, the, the max guys towards the end of their contract are getting like $65 million. So you figure if a guy is half a max guy, that's 30 million. If you're just a little bit less than that, then it's like $20 million a year. So um, I I think he's going to surprise a lot of people. He's still a little bit of a reluctant shooter, even though he is very efficient. When you just look at the accounting stats, he's very efficient. He does pass up some open threes here and there. And like the free throw percentage is a little bit concerning, but I, I definitely think he could be a guy that, is is a rotation player for eight, nine years in the NBA. Yeah, I completely agree. So the thing about Carrington is he got off to a hot start and he has definitely cooled off, like cooled off significantly. I mean, he's at like 42% from the floor, 30% from three. The free throw percentage is pretty good, but what he, he does do is he rebounds and he passes. He's averaging like five rebounds, five assists, my knock on him is that he just doesn't turn the corner and get to the rim. And I know for me, like, that's what I personally like out of point guards or guards that put pressure on the on, on the, the defense, get to the rim. That's not, like, his greatest strength. And then, I mean, he, he is young. If I'm not mistaken, he is the youngest player. I, he might be, like, one of the youngest guys in, in Power 5 playing right now. He's, he's very young. And so you figure their guys his age that are still in high school. So the shooting percentages can't, I mean, you can take that with a, with a grain of salt, but I mean, I like what he does. If he ends up playing well in conference play, then I think he could end up being a lottery pick. I had a comparison for him, um, a little bit of D'Angelo Russell. That, that That's what I saw as, you know, like a, a bigger point guard that doesn't really, turn the corner or get to the rim, but can shoot and when he can really, really pass the ball. He's a very gifted passer. But when you get a chance to watch him, man, he's he's you'll you'll like it. I mean he, like I said, he's kind of cooled off as of late, got off to like a really, really good start. But the last few games, I mean obviously the defenses are now geared towards stopping him, but he's someone that I'm definitely interested in hearing your opinion on. Yeah, I appreciate it. Honestly, in the next week I'll I'll have more answers on that all right 
All right, well, that wraps up this episode of the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast. Once again, thank you for making the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. But be sure to check out Locked On Sports today. Again, the first 24-7 streaming channel and is covering the, the top sports stories from your local experts and the national show. So check it out, Locked On Sports today. Once again, it's Rafael Barlow with Richard Stamen. Stay tuned for the next episode where we are going to discuss the guys whose draft stock has slipped a little bit in Richard's mind. So stay tuned for that episode. Once again, it's Raphael, Richard, and we are out. <laughs>